Hello everybody, you're listening to Biology with Hash. Welcome back guys and if you're someone who's listening to this podcast for the very first time, I highly suggest that you go hit that subscribe button. So guys, I know it's been a long time since I made a podcast episode and I'm really sorry for that. But hey, we hit 400 listens, so congrats guys. So yeah, so today we're going to talk about something which really fascinates me and I think all of it does, it's about... Nucleic acids. Now, nucleic acids, it's so vague. So I'm going to tell you something which you guys know about. That is DNA and RNA. Yes, guys, they are our nucleic acid. Somebody told me that they don't know that DNA actually is like a short form. So yeah, I'm going to make it big and tell you what it is. So you have deoxyribonucleic acid and that is your DNA. You have ribonucleic acid, that is your RNA. And both of them, as you can see, are nucleic acids. So we're going to talk about what is nucleic acids. So nucleic acids can carry your genetic material or can be used to decode your genetic material. Hey, that seems so vague, right? Why do you need them? And hey, you have acids in your body? <laughs> so let's see. So nucleic acids are kind of an acids, right? So Frederick Mischer, who was the guy who found them out, what he did was he took some pus cells and which was like hospital discarded and he wanted to create an immunologic amazing vaccine so that people would remember him forever well accidentally when he was putting this through protein isolation he found a glowing molecule and this glowing molecule had acidic properties no matter how much proteases you put in them they were not going to get degenerated and he was like wait so this is not a protein but can get out of protein isolation and it's acidic in nature and it has come out from nucleus okay what is this so he just named them as simple as he could nucleic acids and that's where nucleic acids came what does nucleic acids have? Well, they have three important things, right? So you have uh, a nitrogenous base, a ribose sugar, and a phosphate derivative. Now, we'll try to understand them a bit by bit. I'm not going to go in extreme details because the molecule which I want to talk about is going to come soon. So first, we go on to phosphate derivative. Phosphate is like this energy molecule. That's all I'm going to say about it, okay? like your ATP, which I didn't know, like I never gave phosphate that much big importance, but when I'm studying biochem, I'm like, phosphate is like the king of energy, okay? So you're gonna learn a lot about it when if you're really doing a biochem major, but hey, not me, so let's just go somewhere else. Then we have ribose sugar. Now, I was this person who never questioned why ribose sugar, but in general, when I was looking through videos and I'm like, people actually questioned why ribose sugar because there were million other Pento sugar. Now, what is pento? Pento means C, the carbon. There are five carbons in it, right? So you have different compounds. There is xylulose. I'm not going to name them, guys. Seriously, I'm not a biochem major. <laughs> so yeah, the other arabinose and all those sugars could also have been here. But why ribose? And you know, if you guys know that fructose, which is a hexose sugar, even though because it has six carbon, it has a pentose ring because it was so bored. That's my explanation, guys a small silence for that <laughs> so yeah uh, why not them why ribose what's so special about ribose because guys it's as simple the the second and the third oh which we see have the least steric hindrance when it is the ribose sugar compared to all of other sugars and that is the reason now if you want to understand by the concept of steric hindrance it's like when two bulky groups are present they don't want to come near each other that means that when there is already Tom Cruise and Shah Rukh Khan in the room, you don't want, uh, you know, they're going to constantly have a fan base around them. And so it's going to be extremely 
hard for them to come near here each other because there's always going to be hell amount of fan base which is going to be in the middle right so it's they're not really don't want to come near each other and when tom cruise and shahrukh khan in the same room there's going to be division right like somebody would like all the attention would go to shahrukh khan or all the attention would go to tom cruise so they don't really want to be in a room with each other they want their own fandoms right so yeah something like that so two bulky groups will never come prefer to come near each other and that's the simple way i can define steric hindrance but if you think my de- you know my definition is vague please go and google it or maybe read amazing books there are great biochemists out there <laughs> then we come to your beautiful nitrogenous bases yes guys nitrogenous bases are made up of nitrogen okay so they they obviously going to have nitrogen or an amino group as an essential part of it so you have nitrogen uh, nitrogenous bases divided into two things which is purine and pyrimidine in my entire life i've been reading about this all the time because hey when i when you're taking biology this is like a constant term you're going to constantly hear about it but then then comes the part where you know which is like very very different and very very exciting so we go to this so okay so purines have these double ring molecules you have adenine and guanosine and then you have pyrimidine which are uh, your thymine your or thymidine or uh, cytosine and uracil okay so let's focus on purines so purines ideally there should be an uh, purines can be of two all these nitrogenous bases can come from two derivatives they can either be a keto group or they can have an amino group which is the important part so your adenine comes from the amino family and your guanosine comes from the keto family and you should always know this that the amino groups are always going to form hydrogen bonds with the keto group so they don't really like forming a bond with their own self and that is the reason you don't have amine amine or you don't have you know like you don't have adenine adenine this can be the basic reason and second your adenosine requires two hydrogen bonds because if you see the structure it can make two hydrogen bonds to complete itself and feel good whereas guanosine requires three bonds and that can be a reason why an adenosine and a guanosine don't make a pair because you guys could tell me the previous time you told that a keto and an amino group can you know form bonds together but this is the reason guys that they don't right and then we move on to your there are many more reasons okay i'm just going to go vaguely over it then you come to pyrimidines right and pyrimidines you have thymine you have uracil and you have cytosine now thymine is like this okay modified version of uracil which has a ch3 group in it a methyl group now thymine is what we have in our dna we don't have uracil uh, and uh, thymine uh, you know if you want to de uh, you want to methylate uracil you're going to get thymine and thymine is comparatively stable it can usually make two bonds it can make three bonds but it doesn't because again of steric hindrance and lot of bulky groups and lot of other problems we come to cytosine then cytosine is this molecule which can uh, which and i i think i forgot this yeah but then thymine also has a keto group right made up of a keto group because keto and amine so thymine always pairs with adenine so that's why we have this as a keto group then we go on to cytosine i mistake it with cysteine the amino acid guys please don't be like me cytosine is different it's an nitrogenous base and cysteine is a sulfur containing amino acid hey i know this i am a bio teacher after all so yeah so cytosine is obviously because our guanosine is going to be uh, a keto group this is obviously going to be an amino group right and this can form three bonds and as i'm mentioning guanosine a lot it's going to always form triple hydrogen bonds with guanosine 
cytosine goloses, the new OTP. So cytosine also has this amazing property that you can make cytosine out of uracil if you just remove the oxygens from it. Yeah. Okay. Then we come to my favorite molecule and it just blew my mind and that's why I have to say. So we studied about all these rules and everything and how they are made for each other, have their OTPs and everything. And then you have uracil. Guys, uracil is like this amazing pyrimidine which can bond to anybody. It's itself. It, it's with adenosine, with conosine, with cysteine, with cytosine, with thymine, name it. What gives uracil this property? And why had DNA chucked it out? Well, you see, uracil in itself can be made into different pyrimidines, right? You can make you can make cysteine out of uh, cystitocine out of uracil. You can make thymine out of uracil. And uracil as a molecule is very very unstable. So, uracil is like this person, this all-rounder, which can do everything. And uracil can go bind itself to its own self and make a basis, base pair. Uracil and go can go and as you know that uracil can bind to two or three chains, so it can go and bind itself to another purine or fellow pyrimidine. So it's a molecule which is going to be like, bro, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm not going to follow any rules which you guys have made after countless researches. And that is why we see this action of uracil is the reason why this uracil cannot be part of our DNA. Imagine if uracil was part of our DNA, then there would be absolute horrible pairings all the time. Like A could pair with you, you could pair with itself. Your whole process where you know you read this and then you find an amino acid and then the whole proteins happens, your transcription translation is going to be havoc. And in DNA replication, you're going to make sure that uracil can bind with anything. So you're going to constantly have uracil everywhere, right? That's going to potentially be the end of us. And that is why we have uracil as a part of RNA and not DNA. So uracil really creates an havoc. That means RNA is going to be extremely unstable, right? Because of this uracil's tendency. And that is why we prefer or the evolution or the nature has preferred to keep DNA and chuck out the uracil in it. One of my teachers was also telling me that if you find uracil in any part of your DNA, your whole DNA is going to get cut into nicks and then it's going to get turned into a plasmid. And because we have double standard DNA, we don't really have as humans or any eukaryotes, we don't really prefer a plasmidic DNA. So that is going to be getting cut by nucleases. So that DNA is going to go. So uracil is like the major trigger warning. But, but, See, uracil is such a, an amazing molecule that just because it can do so many things, it's an all-rounder, we cannot entirely chuck it out. So scientists are constantly working on uracil to see what else it can do. And they found out that uracil can actually help cancer treatment. They can be used as, uh, you know, as the molecular models where these uracil derivatives which are synthesized, they can be used as bioactive agents to stop cancer. And we have this beautiful 5-fluorouracils and it's tautomers and uh, thiouracils and thiouracils which can be correlated with the studies. There was also seen that I was reading up a research where which time you could, you know, you know, have uh, these uracils treatment in your body and it was seen that when you are fasting, when you're not eating food for a long time, there are going to be reduction in them whereas compared to when you're eating and Maybe that could be a potential reason that people who starve themselves for a long time, uh, you know, develops few cancerous properties, I think. 
well it's just a hypothesis guys i haven't read, really read much of a correlation this but yes there are uracil has been used uracil and its derivatives have been used as anti cancer agents and i think that's an amazing amazing thing to do so guys we should all be like uracil and stop caring about all the rules and do whatever we want because uracil for the go <laughs> i was really fascinated about this and uh, i think many of the scientists and that's why uracil has always been a molecule which we all talk about and the whole rna world you know uracil plays a major important in it so tell me guys what do you think about uracil i think i've been little vague in this episode but then i also wanted to make sure that i spark a little bit interest if you guys want me to go in detail do let me know and then comment or you can always mail me at just hash03@gmail.com thank you for listening to my long episodes i am sorry if i made any mistakes but i may try to make sure that i did right this time <laughs> so see you guys in next episodes thanks for listening to biology with hash if you guys have any questions you can always mail me thank you guys see ya